Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hello, Jets fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Jets-centric podcast. My name is Ryan, and today we're joined here on episode 37 with AJ and Chris. Hello. Hi, guys. Since our last roundtable, we've played five games. We lost against Pittsburgh 4-0, beat Dallas 5-1, beat Colorado 7-4, lost to Minnesota 3-2. And at the time of recording, just finished a 4-2 win against Detroit. So, guys, uh, I guess, what's your opinion on the last week? Chris, you could start. It's been a while since you've been on. You should start. Yeah, Um, sorry. We got to say, welcome back, Chris. He hasn't been on for a bit, and we're we're happy to have you back. So, let's hear your hot takes first. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Um, Yeah, I, I think we're seeing... Maybe some of the stuff that we talked about earlier in the year, um, a little bit of struggle um, when they're not. I'm. It, it, these are some. It's not cliche, but it sounds so stupid. Yeah, you're not going to play well if you're not scoring a lot of goals, or you're not going to win a lot of games if you're not scoring goals. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But it seems to me, and I think uh, the Twitter account tweeted out yesterday or the day before about how the Jets seem to only win when they score a whole ton of goals. And right now they're playing what seems to be kind of like almost sadly a two line system where they play Shifley's line, then they play Lowry's line and Shifley's line and Lowry's line. And um, I think it's affecting them when it comes to these low scoring games. If once they get rolling in a game, it seems like, you know, everything's all right. And they put seven on the board, but four or five on the board. Um, but there's no depth scoring right now, as we know. And um, it's haunting them when they don't have a big night. And uh, they're not winning 2-1 games or 3-2 games. Tonight's obviously a little bit of an exception, but they had a real rough go against a really lousy Detroit team tonight. Well, yeah. in the in the three wins in the last five games they've scored a combined 16 goals in the two losses two goals so yes i guess scoring really is hot and cold for this team and they need to start winning those close games because when they are winning they're they're putting up a lot and i don't know i don't know what to make of it because it's really odd for a team that has so much scoring power to just go blank for games in a row yeah, well, and they they'll win close games, but they're the close high scoring games. They don't they tend to not do as well, obviously, in the close low scoring games. Those are the ones where they usually get eaten up. I believe they're twenty two and one when they score four or more goals now. Which obviously, you score four goals, it, it's nice that they're not the team that's on the losing end that often of five four or you know six 
six five or something, they're usually winning those games, which a good team should do. But yeah, as soon as it gets into if they only score three goals, you, they start pushing close to five hundred right at that point, and it feels like you should still be able to win some games three one, three two. Um, I, but uh, that, that's that's there's a significant drop off, and then especially obviously at the two. Um, the you know two one two nothing kind of games uh, that's not uh, not been friendly to them there they're two and five when they only score two goals and then yeah their record obviously if you only score one goal or zero goals if you score zero goals in a game you have no chance of winning but if you only score one uh, the Jets they have done it actually this year I think they beat Vancouver one nothing if I'm not mistaken so uh, but usually those close games are not um, low scoring which is pretty much if it's like last year if we end up play, uh, playing Minnesota in the playoffs. You could probably expect a bit of those low-scoring games, and uh, if that's the case, and we can't kind of get ahead on those ones and be the team that can shut the other team down, that that seems like a, a recipe for disaster, unfortunately. But I think you're, I think you're not seeing, and I, I mean, we could, I don't know, you're not seeing a lot of adjustment right now, and that's what's troubling to me. I I don't like to just dive into being negative or whatever, but. Uh, you're not seeing any adjustment. The only adjustments we're seeing from the coach are move line A up, move Connor down, move, I mean, Ehlers when he's healthy up, Ehlers down. And like I said, I'm I'm really frustrated with a team that by all almost every account, no matter if you're talking about TSN, if you're talking about any um, experts, we have the most forward talent in the NHL. And we're literally running like I said, two lines, that little line is basically non-existent and um, it's, it, it, there's no adjustments me, being made no matter how good or poorly the team is playing. And that's the frustrating part. Um, we saw Tanav's Tanav and Lowry getting uh, a bulk of the uh, offensive zone face off line starts, which is crazy to me when you're trying to get line a and uh, little going. And then you're putting on the line that essentially doesn't score in the offensive zone every time. Um, you've got to break up Shifley and Wheeler at some point to spread out. Th- th- these guys are going to die. The average ice time uh, <laughs> right now, the fact that all of a sudden Shifley and Wheeler are killing penalties is awesome, but not at the cost of them having 25 minutes a night. So there's got to be some adjustments made um, to... to make the depth go from the first line down to the fourth line. And it's just not there. Yeah. I agree with maybe splitting up Wheeler and Shifley, not a long-term thing. You have to see what that does. Cause at some sure. point you have to get line A going. It's not jiving real well with uh, number 18 right now on his line. Lining his last five has zero goals since he had that five goal performance has been 21 games and he has five goals. So what is it that you do to maybe put a jump in his step? Do you break up 55 and 26? What do you do to get him going? Because he almost looks like he's bored out there. And I noticed tonight a lot. No one's even really looking for him to give him the puck. Well, I'll just, sorry. I, I don't know what you do, but I, my problem is, is that you're not, that nobody's doing anything. That, that nothing <laughs> has changed in those 18 games. I don't care what it is. You have to like this is your job as a as a head coach. This is like I this is what I can't comprehend. I mean, we talk about it whether it's this guy, that guy, whatever, but 
you're going to let, and, and let's be fair, Kyle Connor has been struggling for just as long. And they just continue to do the same thing, the same thing, because they're winning most of their games and Shifley and Wheeler carry them. And then out of nowhere, Perros has a two goal game. And then out of nowhere, Lowry has a two goal game. Why are we not doing something? And again, AJ, maybe you can talk to what they should do. Um, but I, I just can't believe they're not changing anything. Yeah, well, I, you know, we 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 rehatch this a, a, a bunch. I mean, the Jets are three and two in January so far. Like we said, they they score. It's feast or famine when they score goals and and when they don't. So you know, there's there is some good stuff there. Uh, there's obviously a good players. Chris, you mentioned the fact that they have some of like the highest elite talent of forwards in the league. Obviously, we're hurting on the defensive end, but with. I guess the deployment, everything that's that's an issue that we kind of keep coming back to because even you know the the biggest Maurice defenders and and uh, fans of the Jets that would never say a negative thing, a lot of people can admit that there's many many players and whole lines that are not looking good or not getting enough time or getting too much time, right? It seems like there's lots of issues, but again, this kind of falls on the coach, and uh, I'm not going to turn this into a Maurice uh, hate fest or anything because again, uh, he is. The current coach of the Jets, so he's the guy that's most likely uh, to to fix it and and able to do it. But if the team continues to win two, lose one, I don't think there's really going to be much adjustment. So we can kind of conjecture about what it should be, and uh, really what it should be is th- there should probably be a huge mix up of the line. Obviously, you know, Patan is a good player. Uh, Lemieux has kind of gone quiet, even from what people thought that you know, he had in his game, Patan just sitting there, some of Maurice's reasonings for other players getting in over him somehow doesn't apply for him when he's been out, you know, too long. Uh, he should get a chance. Um, Line A, I, I think uh, he needs to be with some other uh, players that make a bit more sense. I don't, we all said from the beginning of the season, like the, the, here's the funny thing. If people go back and listen to the podcast, when in training camp, they were, we're talking about Line A with Ehlers and with Little, and everyone at that time said, no, 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 bad idea. It's continued to be a bad idea all along. And I know Ehlers is, is hurt now too, but there, there hasn't been much change. I mean, at, at one point, if you remember, I think it was around the Finland trip, before Line kind of went on his uh, tear, the idea to get him going was put him with Lowry and Tanev. I don't, I don't really understand what's what's going on. And, you know, people can love on Lowry and Tanev. I'm not talking about specific players and how good or bad or what their roles are or how Maurice sees them, but that doesn't really seem like the lineup that would really support him. You'd probably have to put him with players that are better than him. That would probably be the best thing. If, if you want Liney to go, put him with players that are better than him, that drag him up, not players that he's better than, because he's a better player than Ehlers. I mean, and I love Ehlers, but I mean, overall, he's, you know, Line is a 40-goal scorer who we haven't even seen his best yet. And Ehlers, we kind of know who likely in, in a way who he's going to be for the next, you know, 10 years, the player that he is. Not to say that he's not going to get any better, but I, I think we've uh, uh, kind of have a pretty good idea of his, uh, who he is. And and Little's on, you know, the decline. So he's got he's got to be with Wheeler or Shifley. I don't think with both because I'm a proponent of splitting those two well, up. So that's my hot take about, about the line anything, but the, just but, the lineup in, in general. So. When we've been talking about it since also since training camp, why would you would have in any sport really, but I mean, on any hockey team, and I mean, it does work sometimes and, and for periods of time, of course it's great, but why you have your two best player, your two best play drivers on the same line. It goes back to what I was talking on Twitter tonight about the Morrissey and Truba playing together tonight. 
it's the same sort of thing. Why you would put your two best defensemen together and then let the other four guys suffer when you yeah. can put a Trubo with a Niku and and say and hold hands and put a Morrissey with a Moro and hold hands. Instead, you're making these guys that are just not very good or not ready yet play together and let and let Truba and Morrissey play together. And, and let then Niku it, suffer same thing, too, right? Right. And Niku uh, and finally gets his chance. So, exactly. Right. No, you're bang on. And it just again, why why Shifley and Wheeler are playing together, they don't need each other. Yeah, it's great. And they're one of the best top what four lines in hockey, no matter who's on their wing, but they don't need each other. Wheeler could make two other players really good, and Shifley could make two other players really good. Like it just it doesn't make any sense. And and when's it gonna bite them in the ass? They didn't change their penalty killing. Was it last year, two years ago, until like March? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was good. They didn't change anything in that Nashville series last year and got super lucky that they figured out how to beat the trap by accident in game five or six or whatever it was. They're just very Stan Paddish. And I guess it's easy to be complacent when you're, you know, top five team in the NHL. Yeah. Um, but you got to wonder when you're losing games, when you can't score. I mean, they're five, they've been playing like 500 hockey for a while now, if I'm not mistaken. And so you wonder if they're going yeah. to, you know, try something different, really. A well, kickstart, whatever. I think I think a lot of people see this as like being negative on the team that's that's doing well. Like we're all like everyone's we're all cheering when the team scores. Happy that they win. We're all actually all three of us, the three that are on here, we're all happen to be at the same game at the same time, which is kind of weird. I don't think that's uh, been the case since the, the one of the whiteouts uh, where we've all actually been in the building. So that was kind of a fluke. But uh, yeah, I think though what. I think we're all trying to say and what we see in this is this may not look problematic now, but if you don't kind of fix things or make adjustments or try things out, um, then it, it'll, like you say, Chris, it'll bite you later on. I remember at the beginning of the season, uh, people saying, oh yeah, Niku will be in by December. Don't worry, he'll be in by December. And I'm like, I, I don't believe that. I, I don't know why we would would think that because he hasn't proven himself. He hasn't da da da. There's these veterans that are ahead of him. And sure enough, you know, it's January now, and you know he's in the, been in the press box for the last two weeks doing nothing. And then he comes out, doesn't have a great game, and so people, you know, are crap are having a couple moments of not greatness, right? Um, I, I didn't actually go back and look at uh, all the details of, you know his game but whatever so it didn't it didn't look that great and people were like that yeah send it back down again i go well i mean who who would nico be as a player right now if he's been playing since game one right and so now if what if uh you know buff and myers are out right now so we know what that looks like with two of the guys getting hurt what happens in the playoffs now bench rock gets hurt right okay so now what's your option a guy who hasn't played any nhl games right you're not signing anybody by that time so, so what are you left with? A guy who has no, no experience. Though, uh, and I tried to sell the idea. Again, everybody knows I'm not a huge fan of Maurice, but I'm not going to brag on him right now. But I said, if someone tells me Maurice is using, you know, the first quarter of the season, first 20 games to sort of, you know, see what he has with Batan, see what he has with Lemieux, pull up Appleton, which I think it was after the 20 games, get Niku in, right? And the whole idea was like, this isn't the playoff team. This is experimenting time right where you can see what you have but there's been none of that it's been the same old same old uh whether it's some of the good stuff like you said the shifley and wheeler 
but maybe splitting up, like you said, they can make two other players better or getting Niku that experience. And we've seen next to none of that except for, you know, the emergence of, of Appleton. That's pretty much been it, really. And, since and, season. And, What's on the the and on the Appleton front, I like, I like the guy. What has he done, though, to earn ice time over a Nick Patan? He has not done anything at all in the 14 or 18 games he's played. He hasn't done anything. And some of that is deployment. Some of that is line mates. I'll give you that. But he hasn't done anything. But he continues to be in, a, in the lineup. And I don't understand. Like Those are the things I don't understand. You put a guy in. I don't know. Has he done? Sorry. Has he done nothing? Because I. And I know the numbers aren't there, but I remember when he first came in the lineup, we all went, wow, look at this guy. But was that because he actually played good when he came in? Or was it like, hey, a shiny new toy? Let's no, he, he, he played well. He played he played well for sure when he first came in. But do you remember it's when Cop, uh, Cop was uh, had the concussion and I think Lowry was out and then they both, then Cop kind of came back in, but then went back out and sort of in that shuffle of players, all of a sudden, Brendan Lemieux and Mason Appleton both slotted in and Patan went out after Patan played, you know, 12, 13 games. And I know some people are probably sick of the whole, you know, Patan chatter, but it is like whether you like him or don't like him, you have to admit that the whole situation surrounding, you know, what is said about, you know, uh, Lemieux, Appleton, Patan um, is not consistent. Whether it's I like, oh, I don't, I, I, go ahead. My point is to say, like the Marco Dano thing last year, Mason Appleton is not playing any better or anywhere close to as good as Marco Dano played for a year. Every game Dano played last year, and he couldn't stay in the lineup. But all of a sudden, Appleton is in and a fixture. And in my opinion, he's not doing anything. He's fine. I have no problem with him playing. My problem is, is he's getting way more leeway and Lemieux's getting way more leeway than, than Patan or Dano ever got. And both Patan and Dano are much better and put up better numbers than Lemieux and, and uh, Appleton. That's what I don't understand. They've just been give, handed this spot that two guys last year, in my opinion, earned more so than, than these guys have. But... I would say the curious case of Patan, we all probably have to admit that there's probably something else going on there at this point. Like it, it's so, again, if people don't like him, that's fine. But there, you can't argue with how well he played when he was up. Uh, I, I, well, maybe you can argue about it. But, I mean, he played well and uh, better than Appleton as an average and certainly better than Lemieux. And the fact that he continues to struggle to be in the lineup is not just how some people say, well, he's just an AHLer for life. No, he's literally playing well and doing everything that he could possibly do, except finally end up on the score sheet because Liney didn't finish on that goal or uh, Cop didn't finish on that one or he had some bad puck luck where he's getting these beautiful chances and they just don't go in. And then it's like, it's going to fall. Like the, the all the numbers, everything is saying that those are going to start falling. And then he's taken out. And it's it, it, it's nonsensical that there must be something going on. I don't know ask for a trade uh coach doesn't like him wh whatever it is like it can't just be based on on that the coach literally thinks that the other players are better there's got to be something else at play i think at this point because there there's no other way to really explain it if we're all being completely honest and i try and be objective i am a huge patan fan but if there are players that are better than him like if roslovic came up and roslovic seems to have a higher ceiling than patan 
and someone says he should play ahead of Patan, I would say, okay, yeah, he's he has a higher ceiling. He's going to be a so, player, right? He was supposed to be the two C eventually. I go, okay, that makes sense. Go ahead, jump him, right? Go ahead. There's another example. There's another example. What is Roslovic doing again? It sounds so negative. I don't. I don't. I'm not trying to be negative. It's just curious where these decisions come from because Roslovic. I. I think. I think Roslovic is the future, uh, in a lot of ways. I don't see anything from him, and yet he's he's the promotion. Yeah. Like when when Ehlers gets hurt, I just it's it's all really weird to me, and I guess, like we always talk about, or like I always talk about when I'm on the show, I'm not worried about tonight's game. They won. That's great. What I'm worried about is April, May, June. This team is not prepared for May. Never mind April. Um, the I don't see. Thing, the only thing I'll say to that, though, Chris, is in the NHL, uh, we you know we may not like some of the decision making. Every other team or most other teams have similar struggles, similar coaching things. I mean, you you just have to look to our Western neighbors in Edmonton to go, here's another NHL team. What the hell are they doing, right? And and we're, you know, like you said, top five in the league or top three or whatever it is now. Um, but here, it's not surprising. Like, there's there's other teams where people still go, what the hell? You know, what's with this sure. trade? This doesn't make sense, sure. right? So, so we're not alone. So we're playing in a league where there's a lot of questionable decisions made, probably more so than in any other league. Fair enough. But we're, I'm looking at teams like Calgary, San Jose, and Vegas that are just getting better and better and better and better. Um, every week, they're getting better. And again, we've been pretty stagnant, I think, since the beginning of December. Uh, like I say, I think like 500 hockey and again, so you wonder, like, I think we're all expecting a trade for a forward at some point. And we've been saying for months that we need at least one, if not two defensemen. And that's getting shown to us right now. When is that going to happen? Are we waiting right to the deadline or do you want to get a head start on that? Um, You're waiting till the deadline. I understand you have to, if you're going after a forward, you need to probably because of money, right? Because of like, it makes, it goes against the cap. Yeah. Uh, different. And a lot of those teams that have those rental players, it's, it's early for them too. I know it's January, but they're waiting to see where they're at. If it's going to be a complete sell off or what they're going to do, if yeah. they're going to hang on to a guy or maybe they're going to squeak into the playoffs and they want to hold on to them. They're not going to know that until the trade deadline. So those are going to be last-minute deals. Yeah. Agreed. Which I don't, uh, I don't understand that, I mean, in a, in a certain sense. I mean, Ottawa season's over. They have three guys that... Hey, is, I bet Chevy's <laughs> having those talks right now, though. I bet Chevy's calling around seeing... I bet a lot of GMs are. They're calling around, seeing what's available, just kind of getting a feel for the market. But no one's going to pull the trigger on the first deal they see halfway through the season. They're going to wait until you know exactly what piece you need. Because who knows, a month from now, you get a major injury that changes everything. And now you don't need that right-handed defenseman anymore. Now you need a top-line center because Shifley just went down. Right, you, you don't know, and that's why those last-minute deals are made. I understand yeah, the theory. I, I just, I don't understand. Again, the, a lot of people are talking about Jake Muzzin for us, 
as a as a perfect option um there's i mean i don't know where la is in the standings but right it's not going to change and our offer i mean that if that's the guy we need then you i mean we're trying to win the stanley cup this year period and so go get jake muzzin right now why wait you got your best defenseman that's hurt. Myers is out. I mean, it's it's day-to-day, whatever. Go do it. So let's move on from this. I want to talk more a bit about tonight. So Laurent Brassois, before this season, the guy was 7-13-2. Since coming to Winnipeg, he is now 9-1-1. He is nine zero one in the start. It's so, aviator jerseys, and that's the funny thing is that I heard he was starting tonight, and I made a joke to a friend or to Glenn, and just said, oh, "It must be aviator night." And sure enough, we go turn on the TV, and they're wearing the aviator jerseys. Is oh, this yeah. guy? I, does this guy deserve more of an opportunity? Does he deserve to play against a more top tier team than what he's getting right now? Because there's no doubt his record is indicative of who he's playing. But is he capable of beating those those better teams? Chris, you're a big Buck fan. I think I, you should take. I think he should play a little bit more. Uh, Maurice is known for burying his goalies in too many games played. Um, Hellebuck, I won't. I won't use the word struggle. He's not as good as he was last year, but I wouldn't say he's struggling, in my opinion. Um, I don't see the harm when you've got a goalie that's running a 940 save percentage and letting him play a little bit more. It's not going to hurt anything. He's going to have a shit one of these because nobody plays at those numbers, as we know. Um, you don't play 940 for a whole season unless you're Dominic Hasek. So he's going to have a game where you put him in and he lets in six goals or whatever. Um, but he should play more than, than once every nine games or whatever the math is. Um, which is, uh, again, another uh, Maurice trait of Archer Zerbe playing 70 games in a season. Just, well, right just now play him a little bit. The pace right now is Hellebuck 63, Brassois 19. So That's not bad. Next week, next week you have Tuesday against Vegas and Thursday against Nashville, two top-tier teams in the West. Oh, Do you play him against them. one of those? Never. I mean, you, I'm, you saying, I'm saying they, I'm saying, I'm saying they won't. I'm not saying he shouldn't or should or shouldn't, but he won't. You have to have your number one goalie against those two teams. I mean, I guess the argument is, is Brassois not the number one goalie right now, judging by statistics? Well, judging by statistics, he is, though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Jud- that, judging by his would say, playing time. Okay. So, yeah, I, would I be I, tempted I, to play him again? I would be tempted to keep him in for the next game. After again another great game, he had a what a forty save shutout his previous game. Would there? I don't think there's any harm in starting him again. Again, but we know we know this coach, and we know that that won't happen. Um, maybe it should. Yeah, I think you have to give him a real it. test to see what he has. You need to know what you have. It's February, and you're giving your backup goalie easy games. 
which isn't a bad problem to have because usually when your backup is playing against those top teams because your starter's injured. But it wouldn't hurt to try starting him just to see if this guy is a real deal and what you have in a guy who is up for a contract this offseason. Is he a guy that you can rely on? Or is he a guy that this organization needs? AJ, your thoughts? You know, I, I like Brussois. I think he's playing well. I think also his record. I mean, teams generally play better at, at home. Um, and the number of times that we think of him as wearing the aviator jersey, I mean, they wear those at home all the time. So most of his starts have been home starts, right? Just judging by the aviator jersey. I don't actually have the number in front of me. It's funny that I, I can measure it from that point. Um, so uh, that, that's something to, to consider, too, that most of them have been at home. They've been against weaker teams. But, I mean, the guy's playing well. I think uh, he's, he's done well, and maybe uh, Hellebuck needs some time to kind of refocus. Uh, so I'm okay with that. I've never actually kind of bought into the idea that, well, you need to have a number one or you need to have a tandem or you need to have anything. I mean, play, play the hot hand and don't let the guy who doesn't have the hot hand sit too long, really. I, I mean, like what they did a couple of years ago to Hutchinson where he sat for three months or something. Um, I was like, that it was insane. And then all of a sudden expect him to be happy to get back in um, was part of the end of him being here really I think that was uh problematic and I think the the goalie management uh that was the first year that I really actually know uh, going back to uh, the first year the Jets were in the playoff was when I kind of went over with a fine tooth comb um the the goalie deployment and some of the stuff was inconsistent and really strange where you know a, a goalie that was uh, the supposed starter you know would lose two games and then they would uh, get the third start, and the argument was we need to get them going again. Then the young, better goalie would uh, lose two games, and then we need to sit him before his confidence uh, crumbles. Right. So just the the narrative around goalies, I think, is always uh, convoluted and weird. You can kind of say whatever you want to to make it uh, fit what you want in that moment, and kind of explain away anything. So Brossois uh, is playing better, playing more. Uh, you know, give him uh, give him 30 starts. I mean, Hellebuck, he's here for the next uh, six years, I think he signed for. So it's not like we're not going to see enough of him. He had an insane season last year, Vesna, you know, candidate. But the Jets overachieved as a group too. And so I don't think when the Jets signed him, they were, they were signing a good, solid goalie for the future. They were not signing, uh, you know, a consistent Vesna candidate forever and ever. So don't expect Hellebuck to be that. So let the other guy play a bit more. Uh, that, that's what I say. Play him, you know, he should he should be in at least every fourth game. At least. It's funny that you mentioned that he's playing good and goalies play better at home. He's played more on the road this season. Shut he's up. He's played five games at home. He's 4-0-1. He's played six on the road. He's 5-1-0. Really? How yes. about the aviator jersey, right? Come on. We've, well, you know, maybe they, they're going to wear the aviator 14 times. We're a little at halfway. So maybe we've actually only seen the aviator seven times, and he's been in them, you know, five of those seven times. Maybe. I don't know. I it's, don't have the aviator stats in front of me. That's the one thing <laughs> this, my stats don't carry. So uh, yeah, well, maybe next episode I'll have to do the math. And well, you shove, you shove that one in my face, but uh, – Okay, well, I was right about the, Well, I think we're all right about the aviator thing. That's just what I was going by. But I guess when you think of how many times they've actually worn it to, compared to the number of times that he played, obviously he's played some games on the road, right? They've, like I said, halfway through the season, they probably wore it seven times, 
six, seven times at home, maybe eight. And if he's, you know, uh, been and you're in playing back six of those. Game on the road. Yeah. So those, you're obviously playing your backup goalie on the road because that's when you play a lot of back-to-back games. So, Except in Finland. Right. <laughs> you definitely don't. Don't travel across the world and uh, and play your backup in in a back to back. Definitely don't do that. And don't bring your Finnish themed jerseys to Finland either. Also, don't bring two of the future players uh, of your franchise that are Finnish because they're technically less Finnish than your superstars. So, don't bring them either. <laughs> all right, all right. What? Uh, it, it's too tempting. It's too tempting. I just can't not say anything, right? It's too hard. All right. So I'm gonna serve up this meatball of a question. Yeah, and yeah. Then I'm going to mute myself for two minutes so you guys can just go with it. Injuries to Bufflin, who is out until at least the All-Star break. Ehlers, who is mid-February or early February. And now Tyler Myers, who's day-to-day. What kind of effect does this have on the team? Uh, I mean, I was talking to somebody today, and just because of the contract situation and, and some of some of the fact that we're so stacked on at the forward position, I said to somebody that I think Jacob Truba, and I said this to another friend last week, I think Jacob Truba is our most important player, if that makes sense. Um, in the sense that if he does, if he's not on our team next year or going forward, that really causes a big problem for our team because it hurts our defensive depth. Therefore, we're not going to be as good of a team. And so I think he's an, an important, the most important piece on the team right now. Definitely not player, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. That being said, um, Dustin Bufflin being out of the lineup is just, it's a killer. Um, he's, he's so good at um, making other players better. Ben Sherratt being the perfect example. When Sherratt plays with Bufflin, he's a, an acceptable player. and so when he's out, that makes Sherratt not as good. And the transition game isn't there. They're not as strong as their own. And, I mean, it's, it's endless. Uh, Bufflin not being there, is, is, it hurts a lot. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go now. <laughs> um, my, my take on the injuries, and I'll say this kind of in general, um, and it sort of feeds back to the other points. The Jets are a playoff team, and when people say they're a playoff team, teams that are the eighth seed out of 16 in the West are still a playoff team. I Obviously, I don't think the Jets are going to finish in eighth, but I'm just saying to get into the playoffs is the main thing, and then what you do there is the real meat and potatoes of the season. I, I don't – if the Jets fall in the standings to eighth uh, and then uh, go on a run and they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and lose, you know, per se, uh, I would still consider that season a success because – uh, obviously the regular season, not so much, but you're, again, it's supposed to build towards the playoffs. So the injuries are going to happen. Uh, so that's not surprising. So you want to see your team find those ways to adjust, get those other players in the lineup, you know, like Niku, right? But Niku, the only reason that he's in, right? And and we, we know that he's, you know, he's not the next coming of Eric Carlson or anything, but he's going to be a very capable left side D, you know, on the second pair likely. Um to see him not really get any time. And this press box run that he was in is not his first long, you know, two, three week press box run. He did this a couple months ago too, if I'm not mistaken, from November into December, um, there was a time where he was in the press box. If, uh, you know, 
yeah, Ryan, mm-hmm. you can fact check later. We we'll tweet it out. No, we won't. Anyhow, um, so my bigger Sorry, concern. Can I is, interrupt you for one sec? Yeah, no. you can. I'd like. I would like to find out one day, and this is just a mental note for all of us or anybody listening that could help us out. Why NHL teams? I'm not even going to say the Jets. Why NHL teams with developing players bring them up just to have them sit in a press box, especially when the minor league team shares a facility? Why not call up Matiori or I don't even know any Moose defensemen anymore, dispensemen anymore, to sit in the press box? It's don't about understand the experience. It. It's about the experience, Chris. <laughs> it's sort of like not going to the World Juniors and not then not <laughs> being able to be successful in the NHL. Anyway, that's just a side note. I just wonder if somebody other than that explanation could explain to me the purpose of calling up Niku and having him sit in the press box rather than either playing in the NHL or playing in the AHL and having a Melchiori who is a lifetime AHL or sit in the press box and eat popcorn. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah. No, I, I, so my bigger concern, honestly, like the injuries, they suck, whatever. And obviously if they pile up, uh, that would be very problematic. And especially if certain other players get hurt for even longer. Um, I mean, if a Shifley or a Wheeler were to go down or a line, even, I know he hasn't been playing great, but um, I think that would be, uh, you know, would make things even worse. But, you know, people always say, or there's a lot of people saying, but the Jets are winning. The Jets are winning. So quit your bitching and complaining. Um, don't worry about how they're playing. They're winning games, and that's important. And I do believe that there is a bit of a skill uh, and a bit of luck that goes into winning games that maybe aren't that pretty or maybe you don't deserve to win, right? Just sort of sticking around and mm-hmm. gritting it out, right? There, There is a, like a truth to that. We all make fun of grit and everything, but there is, it is, maybe people aren't measuring it, but there is an element of truth to, to that. And so being able to do that is is good and for the team to overcome some adversity and fight through those injuries. But really what I want to see is just better decision-making and usage throughout it so that when injuries happen, it doesn't feel so bad. Now, Buff's been out for a bit, and like I said, the Jets are 3-2 and two in January. Um, you know, uh, so whatever, there, there's no panic, right? They're still, you know, top three or four in the league. So it ha- it hasn't been that crazy of a drop-off. You know, we used to joke about the the – the record without Shifley in the lineup is better than the record when he was in the lineup, same with Crosby, right, from a couple of years ago. So I don't really look at the record of how they're doing without a player to be indicative if they're being good. But I want to see nice hockey. I want to see nice adjustments. I want to see all the forwards getting at least 10 minutes, nobody over 20 minutes. I want to see the defensemen kind of spread out, see skill throughout the lineup, you know, get rid of players that aren't good. Don't give me narratives about how good they are when they're not. And really build towards a team that is succinct and, and good and, and uh, ready for the playoffs. So the injuries, I don't actually think it hurts us that much because it's taken one game at a time. I mean, so what's the next game the Jets have up? It's, uh, I think you said before, Ryan, they're, they just had Detroit. Oh, Anaheim, right? Anaheim on, Anaheim on, uh, on Sunday. On, on Sunday. So 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 let's say Myers and Buff and Ehlers, they're all still out, right? Well, we know two of them for sure. So that's one game against one team. So can for 60 minutes, the rest of the players, the Shifley, the Wheeler, uh, you know, the Line A, Morrissey, Truba, Hellebuck, can they all overcome the, those missing players? Of course they can because there's, you know, 20, 20 other guys that are going to be on the ice instead. Um so I don't worry too much about the injuries personally. They suck, obviously, career-ending ones or season-ending injuries are a different uh, thing. But when there's players have an expe- expected return date, um, I'm, I'm a little less concerned. Um, just want to see, you know, better decisions made in the meantime that, that, that follow through for when they come back, right? So that, you know, maybe 
uh, Buff would finally get to play with Nico. I mean, Nico comes up in this situation with the, with Myers and Buff out, and then who who does he get to play with? Chris, you were mentioning how Morrissey and Truba play together. So who did Nico even play with tonight? Kulikov on his off wing, or who was it now? No, with more, um, with Moro or Sharat. Okay, so so Sherratt. that's what he has to come up to. So he sits in the press box, you know, for for two weeks, and then he gets to play with one of those guys, who's who's playing on their off wing. Either he's playing off, he gets to play on his off wing, or one of those guys plays on his off wing, which makes them even worse, right? So what kind of opportunity is that for a guy, right? The bottom so the is all left-handed shots tonight. I know, but uh, yeah, exactly. But the better thing would have been had he been playing and in games, you know, and rotating in and out with Morrow or something, and then he gets to play with Buff uh, for eight games by now. Then Buff goes out. Nico's already kind of comfortable, but now everybody gets to shit on him. So the, it was a fail, like the whole management of his, you know, usage this year. And, and that's just him. Never mind, I know we already touched on Patan, and Chris, you mentioned Dano last year, too. I mean, and, and some people hate the complaining about and they're arguing about this stuff, but honestly, nobody argues if Shifley is good or Wheeler is good or if Liney can score 40 goals or if Ehlers can make zone entries, right? It's not the good players that are the controversial ones where maybe the minutia of the game is played out that can make you way better. Um, so those players, those fringe players, those those ones that are more questionable, that's that's where you make it up. I, I think, Chris, you said a but, bunch of times in the playoffs, the team that has the best third, third and fourth line are the teams that win the playoffs, right? Or in the that's playoffs. That's right, and that's how I feel, because your two top lines, when you get deeper in the playoffs, offset each other. You, you know, they're just going to outscore each other or NLB close, whatever. But somebody else made a good point tonight, I think Katie on Twitter made, and this is sort of goes back to that. It's not even necessarily about these third and fourth line players. It's what it's doing. And I think we talked about this before the season even starts started is it's about what it does for the rest of the lineup. And I think when we had, when we talked to Marat um, the first time I mentioned how, Lowry is the ultimate fourth line center. And he said, I think he's good enough to be a third line center. And then the argument or the conversation turned to, yeah, but if you take a look at who they're playing with as wingers, that changes the whole lineup. And I have no problem with Lowry being our third line center. If it means he's playing with Perot and Connor, we'll just for argument say that, but I've got a big problem with Lowry being our third line center. If he's playing with Tanev and Cobb, because that third line is not going to get to a Stanley Cup final. If that's your fourth line, holy man, you're going to be really good. So those third and fourth line players that we're talking about, the Appletons and where you're playing a Perot and, and what you're doing with Roslevic and this, that causes the trickle-down effect. And the same thing's happening on the defense now with these injuries. The trickle-down is where the problem is. It's not at the top. You have, there's no problem with Truba and Morrissey. But you could fix Moro and Niku if you split up Truba and Morrissey and put each of those guys with a much better player. The trickle-down effect of not changing things higher up is hurting. And again, your depth, this depth isn't good enough to win a Stanley Cup as it is. And that's the goal this year. And so if you're not making adjustments... The depth is good, but the deployment still is a sure, question. Sure. Yeah. question mark, That's right. right. So, That's what I mean and, to say. But, right. but the like, so the Jets won four two, and again, if if people want to say that we're you know full of it, that's that's fine. But tonight the Jets won four two. So in Maurice's mind, 
They did enough to win, so there will be no changes in the lineup for Sunday. They got their asses handed to them by one of the worst teams in the league for 50 minutes of the game, and the Detroit led in two of the flukiest goals that the Jets have scored in seven years. Yeah, the only difference is if Myers is healthy and comes back, but otherwise you will see the exact same lineup in the exact same order, uh, probably getting similar ice time. So the... I, I don't understand. Yeah, whatever. We can get into it uh, forever and ever on this stuff. But um, I honestly, it's it's a little bit like kicking a dead horse because unfortunately we don't get to, you know, not unfortunately. I'm sure some people don't like the idea of us getting to make the decisions. But I mean, the coach, there's not a, a big round table with the coaches and uh, the fans. And there's like a, some sort of a democracy. And then we all get a look at the numbers and people present their case. And then we all get to vote diplomatically on the best scenario. And then that's deployed. And even then, there probably wouldn't be a consensus nearly what each of us as individuals want. Because each one of us, if we came up with our ideal lineup, would be different too. And we generally are kind of succinct with each other and, and um, kind of agree on, on, on a lot of these points. But still, we wouldn't probably build the team exactly the same way. Um, but still, th- th- whatever it is, man, the, the chemistry is not there the the nice hockey isn't there i mean the nicest hockey we played uh that i could remember right now was probably in the tampa bay game and that even there i said the jets were very chaotic but good and tampa bay though you saw a team that was organized and good and there was a there was a huge difference and i think the difference is one of those teams is more likely to win the stanley cup because you gotta you gotta get it together at some point and this is an anti-jets and they got man. Sorry to interrupt. You. They got manhandled by Pittsburgh, like that yeah. was like. Now this is a team, right? The yeah. same as the Tampa, the Tampa thing, like that. The, it wasn't even a game. And these are supposed to be the two of the four best teams in the NHL. Yeah, I don't and, know. and that's that's the fun part too, because or like the interesting part, because it's not like we don't think that the Jets could be that, right? I mean, yeah. we're all on Fuck board that right. like the Jets could be that good, and should be that good. And for anyone to be like, well, compl- quit complaining. And when I know I'm kind of harping on what you know other people may think of our takes and, and whatnot, but that's that's how good they should be. That's how good they sh- could be. We should win the presidency and our division this year, no problem with the talent we have. But yeah. not with, but not against the talent that Tampa has for presidents. Like they're unreal. Sure, fair enough. Fair enough. We should but at yes, least we should be winning. We should be hanging up. Uh, Western Conference in brackets regular season champions <laughs> better <That's> next right. <laughs> spring or next uh, fall. Yeah, let's do yeah. that. And, I, and that and 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 AJ, you know this. I've been saying that for two and a half years now that we're that good, and it's been deployment and it's been a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Again, I'm not mad. This is great that they're winning. You just get concerned um, about how things are getting done and. Um, and I'm concerned also with the depth, uh, especially on defense. I just, I'm concerned that we're three, in my opinion, we're three players short of being a legit Stanley cup contender. So we'll find out in what are we about 30 days away from the trade deadline? Yeah. Something like that. If, if the management bit further has, away. bit further away. Yeah. Um, you know, if management has the same concerns that they need three guys or, you know, like I say, I think we need two defensemen and, and a splash up forward. Yeah. All right. Let's All right. shift gears. Let's do it. Come on. Yeah. We need a gear shift. Let's talk about all-stars. 
So last round table, the consensus was the Jets would get two All-Stars in, and we suggested Shifley and Wheeler. The next day, they were announced as the two representatives. Are they... We know they're that good on the Jets. They're our two best players for sure. Do both of them make it if the rest of the Central Division is as good as they as the division was last year? Mm. Oh, <laughs> they should. Stumped, stumped you. Well, they should though, right? I mean, yeah. they're two of. I mean, two of what top fifteen or eighteen players in the whole league, probably. Yeah. 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 So how I'd, can I'd, they I'd not? say they're both I mean, 15 for sure. Yeah. So how could they not? The the funny thing was the line thing. One that really despite the goal totals that he was considered and two I always wonder how we have the best fans in the NHL but we've never voted anybody in or won any sort of online thing when it comes to online um voting for stuff. In the last seven years. So I guess we should mention that after those, after the original picks of the all-star lineups, there was vote one last player in for each division. Of course, Line A was in that for the Central. He did not get voted in. Did he deserve to be, though? He's no, no, a no. sniper, no. but he's not. Right now, he's not much more than that. And I think a lot and of people are just voting three. for people who are exciting players who are out there, and he's just not that right now. Is he an all-star caliber type player? Sure. At the moment of voting, is he? Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the whole, that whole uh, Colorado line should have went anyway. And you could make the case for the whole first Flames line, too. All three of them. So, uh, you know... It's not a it's not a surprise that he didn't make it because uh, uh, who was the one that got replaced? Landis got. Landis got the, yeah. yeah, I mean he deserves it. No question that he deserves it. Yeah, I'm what fine. I'm got? fine with uh, Landis not making it. Uh, Wheeler and Shively were the obvious uh, ones. I saw. Um, I think I mentioned to you guys in a chat that somebody felt like uh, Hellebuck. Should be. It was a media person that said Hellebuck should be considered, but it's only because of the rules and because um, they can only take so many goalies, right? And uh, but that had there been different rules uh, in the All Star choosing that Hellebuck should be considered. And I wish I remember who that was. Maybe one of you guys remember. But I thought this is outlandish. How does a person have a job in hockey analyzing and, and announcing and whatnot and say something like that? Maybe we I don't didn't say see that because. Or, that's a good thing I didn't see that because I'd be very I, upset. I did Although share, I, in the Central Division, I think maybe, I don't know, I'm speaking, I'm just guessing. If you're talking about in the Central Division, if they took the three goalies, then I guess he would. Unless, if that's what he was talking about, whoever the person was. Yeah, maybe. They, yeah. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't really matter now. But I remember somebody saying that and I thought, well, uh, I mean, still... I'd be probably that's a Toronto like, strat. That's that's one of those things where they, if if you did this and then that happened, this would be the yeah. result. Like they are the Toronto media always does. That sounds yeah. like that. If the I, if the playoff format still allowed for three goalies, then Hellebuck should have been considered. Okay, well right. that's a waste of. But I mean, even right now, like did. if 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 you're not trying to separate like number of goalies, even if I had to choose 
Hellebuck or Liney. I'd probably, between the two of them, I'd probably still choose Liney. In my mind, if I was thinking one of them to go to the All-Star game, I mean, Liney, obviously, we know the slump that he's in, but I don't know. There's still 24 goals, and uh, that's still pretty impressive. You know, on this team, he's still tied for leading on the team with Shifley, right? Or, did, or yeah, they both have 24? 24, 24? Yeah, anyhow. He's it, leading the team, or one of the top two. Uh, so I would consider him before Hellebuck. Anyhow, I thought that was kind of a, a funny thing. But Does it matter, though? I, I, I A lot of discussion, I guess, um, is the All-Star game. Um, I think the honor itself is pretty – would be – like, at, if I were a player, I think the honor of being selected uh, an All-Star would be awesome. But yeah. I think we're learning that flat, fans don't really care. Crosby's played in three All-Star games. Um, Johnny Goudreau has played in two more All-Star games than Sidney Crosby. Like, that's crazy. Um, I know there's extenuating circumstances, whatever, but just that that's just nuts to me. Um, but, but So what does it matter anyway, other than the pick? Like, the pick is what matters. You're going, okay, great. Uh, the rest of it is kind of bogus, I think a lot of people think. Yeah. So what's I'm the big? A, I'm I don't not on board with those. Who cares? Like I, I, I never watch the All Star game. But if the All Star game, if and whenever it comes to Winnipeg, I would go to it. But I don't care to, just for the spectacle and the number of players you'd see there. It's kind of like a, it's a skills competition. I mean, maybe if you get free tickets again, Chris. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, that, that skills competition would be about five hundred dollars a seat. So I don't yeah, know yeah. what to do. Well, so. I probably still. Do. What do you guys? Hey, uh, what do you guys think of the jerseys? Uh, my hot take about the jerseys is I ran a poll on Jet Centric, and the the third jersey was more popular than the All Star jerseys. The the black jersey, no, was it the white jersey that came in? the 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 third jersey came in first, I believe. The white jersey came in second, and the black jersey came in third, which is surprising that people still like the third jersey. Uh, like over the those aviator, yeah, the aviator jersey, yes, was more popular than the other, um, than the all star ones, like the Jets themed the all star ones. Um, the white one, I think, is kind of interesting. I heard people saying, uh, for the playoffs as a whiteout jersey, be kind of cool. And Chris, you, when we ran into each other at the game uh, the other day, you had said that, um, at most Jets stores and outlets. They've gotten rid of all the white jerseys. They're holding on to them to kind of make a big blast. So if anybody is listening to this uh, still, uh, know that if you want to go out and buy an Adidas white uh, Jets jersey, you probably can't find one unless you buy the new All-Star one the, with the sort of wash black and grays. So um, I, I didn't like the jerseys. I think they're terrible. I think the spectacle of the All-Star game will look super, super bland and drab and boring. Um, as far as the, the colors and uh, of it, because from far away you're not really going to be able to see the logos. It's they're all just going to look like uh, you're watching on black and white TV. But I think those jerseys by themselves, mixed in and around fans, you know, you see them in a concourse, you know, with a shiny flea on the back, and during the playoffs, and you see that white one, that'd be pretty cool. And the and the black one, I mean, I've seen those the all black jersey. And uh, that was pretty uh, cool, the all-black one that they did before. So these ones, if you just kind of see it by itself, mixed in with colors um, uh, at a store or with uh, fans, probably it looks kind of cool, stands out, and it's different. But, I mean, to see all those on the ice at the same time, I think is going to look like pure garbage. So, And it is garbage, well, I guess. It's made of garbage. <laughs> yeah, and they don't even have 
each team's styling. They all have the same piping on the shoulders or on the on the arms and across the stomach. Like it's not even team specific. It's just the exact same plain jersey with each team's black and white logo stitched to it. Oh. Really boring. It's gonna be tough to watch. I I don't know. I, I haven't been much for the all star game or skills competition for a few years, so I could care less. But yeah. maybe Maybe you do something a bit different. Make it colorful. Make it exciting. Black and white doesn't scream exciting at me. Yeah, the, so, the only one thing that they got right. Sorry, Chris. I'm just going to bump it for a second. I'll just yep. say this: is that they did actually do every team. So now every single team, 31 teams in their NHL shop, have two more jerseys right. that they can sell. And so it's because nobody goes out and really buys all-star jerseys, but to buy a Jets jersey, that's a different color you know, or whatever team you're, you, you like them from, to have that as another option. I mean, the Jets right now, if, if they're in store, if you could find a white Adidas, there's literally the, the blue, the white, the, the Heritage, the Aviator, and then this black and this white. That's the seven jerseys I think I just counted. So that's kind of a neat option to have for teams to, to be able to do that. I don't know how many people are going to take them up on it. So that that's just, I think, the thinking uh, with this was to blast it out and make as much money, obviously, as possible. So it's a little bit different. And Ulster jerseys, I don't think, generally sell at all. But an Ulster jersey that is your team probably will sell more. The black and white, uh, you know, whatever. Blah. It's a it's a great marketing idea, like you said, because you get to sell more jerseys with a team jerseys. Nobody's going to buy a central division all-star jersey with Shifley on it other than hardcore collectors a lot of people probably will buy an all-star jersey with Shifley on it if it has a Jets logo and then the coloring is obviously like that so that all of the crests and stuff match right so they tone it down so that uh a Columbus logo and a Red Wings logo look like they're on the same team um when they're playing on the same you know whatever division in the they're in in the yeah. all-star game so they tone it down you usually like the bright colors for the all-star game and the white gloves or the white pants or whatever but i the, the idea is there i don't know how well executed it is that's that's the only thing but it hits the points that you need to hit it everybody's going to match in the central division or whatever and they're going to wear one for each of their games i'm sure so that you don't feel dumb buying the black one if Shifley didn't wear the black one or whatever. Yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty good idea. It just misses the mark a little bit because they are a little bland and it will grow and they'll do it every year now where the team logo will be on the all-star jersey. And that's brilliant marketing. That's I think smart, uh, smarter the, than the, anything else they've done in a long time. Yeah, the bland the blandness is like similar to you know the complaint about the aviator jersey too, right? It's just the blandness. So Adidas has definitely been consistent with their their blandness, except for that Colorado third jersey that they released. That was pretty wicked. But uh, yeah, sorry. All right, I'm sick and tired. Sick and tired of talking about jerseys. We do this every episode, and we do it for <laughs> way too long. And yeah. yeah. Uh, so now we need to move on to which jet is the hottest. <laughs> All right. And with that, we are out of time. Uh, what? Do, you guys have any, no, do you guys have any finishing thoughts uh, on motive topics? Chris, do you have anything you'd like to finish off with? Anything you want to discuss? Yeah. Um, ben Sherratt highlight from when uh. he scored his 
goal ever. That was now he was good looking then seven years ago or whenever that was. Wow. Next. Um, no, I'm just glad to be back. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody missed me. I don't, I doubt it. Um, but, uh, I'm happy to be back. And, you know what? Uh, Chris, you know. I, I missed you like crazy when I saw you on Sunday at the game. I, it, it brought a smile to my face and it was so nice to see you. Glad to have you back with us and can't wait to have you on more. Now, Ryan, well, you should... go ahead. No, no, I, I'm, I'm interrupting your appreciation of Ryan's compliment. You guys can do that afterwards. Have your love and get a room. Ryan, tell a story about, about running into Chris at the game and how you well, met. Let me just finish, though, and then and then Ryan go on. But I was going to say you two guys especially and, and a lot of people on Twitter that are turned into uh, real friends, and I know some of my Facebook friends who go way back have been really supportive of me um through uh this last month and a bit um that's been rough and thank you especially to you two guys because you two have been um awesome to me and uh thanks to i know some of the other people that listen for some of the amazing stuff they've done for me over the last month or so uh to get me back on my feet so thanks guys stop you're gonna make me tear up (laughs) Love you, buddy. <laughs> I got something. Anyway, in my <laughs> anyway, so tell us. Windy. We we have a new intro. So Ryan, uh, if you can share, uh, how did that happen? Like AJ was asking. Yeah. Yeah. So so you met Chris through this too. So. So you say I met Chris? I've met Chris plenty of times. Well, no, you you just said you saw him at the game. So this is connected oh, to that. Yeah. So a good friend of mine, Shandy, I work with him. He's a Portage guy, just like me. He, his son just finished his last round of chemo and they were given sweet tickets. Uh, not S W E E T, but S U I T E tickets, which are um, sweet number 16. We got to, he invited me along to go watch the game with him, his wife, his three kids. And, uh, and his brother-in-law actually set up, uh, got in contact with the Jets and set up a meeting with Shifley after the game. Uh, I should mention his son's name is Logan. Or Shout yes, out to the Jets. Yeah, and they, they hooked it up right away. Just said, hey, come to the box office. We got 20 wristbands sitting here for you for the whole suite. <laughs> And for a couple extras, and you know what, I I uh, brought Chris and his daughter down as well, and we all got to meet Shifley, and can't say enough nice things about Shifley. He's just the nicest guy in the world, and you know what, I bothered him for a a quick sound clip at the end of our meeting, and he was nice enough to do it. I don't know if he wanted to. I just kind of held my phone in his face and said, "Say this." And he did, so it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So I'm glad I had the opportunity to do that. And again, thanks to my friends Shandy and Todd for bringing me along. And yeah. And the Jets were up, so. I would say Mark Shifley is moving up. It's the second time I've met him and I've heard uh, stories about him on top of that. I would say Mark Shifley is moving into Shane Down territory as nicest hockey player in the world so 
that's a high, high praise. My all-time favorite player and one of the nicest guys in NHL history. Um, I think Shifley's moving into that territory. He's that nice. He's that friendly, super accommodating. Uh, great guy. He, he took the time to talk to everyone. Yeah. After a game, he probably wanted nothing more than just to go home and lay in bed, celebrate the win, but he sat there and just talked to people and – when we kept bothering him, he kept sticking around. And uh, I agree with you. He's become one of my favorite players just from that meeting alone because I've only met two Jets before and just blown away by how nice he was and grateful that he did this for us. He knew um, Logan, right? Logan's the name? Yep. He knew as soon as he came out of the dressing room who he was and he went immediately to him. He didn't um, talk to anybody else before that and was super engaged with with logan and then with everybody else it was it was awesome yeah gave him a stick signed it for him uh gave him a high five and yeah just stood around chat it was a great time that's good so um so ryan you bothered him to record an intro new intro for the podcast which was hilarious and great especially if you hear the extended clip which uh, you guys have obviously Ryan, because <laughs> you were there is uh funnier than what we we just post because he's like what is this <laughs> what, what am i doing here and that was uh, pretty good but uh i will say that the Chris, your daughter, Ali, also got to to meet Shifley, and uh, there's a picture, and I think it's kind of appropriate be- that he did the the new uh, intro because mm-hmm. the intro for the longest time was your daughter, and uh, so he replaced your daughter. So in that sense, the trade was one for one. Um, That's right. And, uh, so that was uh, nice that the, that she could pass the torch on to him, and uh, he could be the the new flag bearer for us. So yeah, yeah and she'll, has, she'll be back. On. Not That's this. not the end of her. She'll. We'll, we'll swap it out once in a while. We need to change it out to get some fresh voices in there. She uh, she wasn't disappointed at all to be bumped by Shifley. So that's uh, oh, shout-outs to, shout to AJ, uh, my AJ, <laughs> for that. So. <laughs> all right, all right I, think, I think we did it. I think we did it all. We uh, Unless we want to do another 45 minutes about the lockout or uh, the CBA. Are we going to? Do that. Uh, so that's all the time we have today uh, on episode 37 of the Jet Centric Podcast. I'd like to thank my guests, Chris and AJ. They're not guests, they're co hosts. But uh, yeah, let's wrap this thing up. What about okay, so player, wrap it up player tracking? Sorry, okay, so, okay, so a couple things. I We never, well, I don't, um, and you don't have one, but I never, when we're done, uh, mention my Twitter handle. I think. Uh, we should always be doing that. So I'm CMAC Live. If anybody's still listening and doesn't know who I am and doesn't follow, go ahead and follow. I'm trying to clean up the takes a little bit. And I think we also mentioned this week, I know probably, Ryan, you're going to get to it in the closing about uh, subscribing and some other stuff. Yes. So please go on to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to us, and subscribe, rate us, leave a review much appreciated even if it's one star that's what you feel that's what you should put let us know why we're always working to improve the reason we're actually using skype now for improved audio is because our only itunes reviews said get better audio quality so please let us know how we're doing rate us Uh, it, it helps build us and make us better moving forward this goes for all of our friends and family like my dad and my buddies 
rate us on iTunes. Just click the five stars or the three stars or the five stars or the five stars. Rate us. It helps us. And eventually, if we get enough ratings, we'll be on charts and we'll be able to be found a lot easier. Spread the word on Facebook. Spread the word to your friends. If you're listening to us, that means you like us and help us out. Uh, Some of us work hard and people like AJ work really hard to get this podcast uh, to where it is. And uh, we appreciate your help and and need some more of it. So help us out. You You love it. And and if you've already rated us on iTunes, go out and buy another iPad or iPhone so you can rate us again. Fucking right. Create a hundred iTunes accounts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. AJ, last last closing statements. <laughs> that, was, that was great. Um, I kind <laughs> of uh, lost uh, lost for words now. I like uh, like all the things you guys have to say. Um, I just want to remind people. So, I I just want to remind people to always use the promo code uh, Jetcentric wherever you go, wherever you purchase uh, goods and services. Make sure you use that promo code. Let them know that we sent you. Tell them Jetcentric. And uh, they'll know what to do with that. They're tr- everybody's tracking it. Everybody knows, so you don't have to like just worry about it. Just just use it. Just and, say uh, send the bill to AJ. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not what I just said. But <laughs> oh, um, and, hashtag. Do the hashtag. Oh, the hashtag. Okay, if you're still with us and you've you've listened uh, this far, uh, you definitely need to do the hashtag Tim Stapleton to us because yes, our last guest we just had was Tim Stapleton. And if you have not listened to the episode, Roddy and Tim Stapleton, I think are now best friends. Um, <laughs> well, next time he's in town, I'm pretty sure they're getting together. The Filipino connection. Um, hopefully they, they in, uh, invite us as well. But uh, that was the last episode. You should check that out with Roddy. Uh, it was a lot of fun to listen to. Stapleton seems like a great guy. He wants to come on again. And uh, yeah, and, and, and. He's also still friends with Wheeler, and he told Wheeler to listen to the show. So not only do we have Shifley uh, on the intro, we also have Wheeler listening to at least one of our episodes. So, uh, so, so there you go. So we're, we're famous now. We did it. Um, and also, hey, just if you're, you're going to rate us, help us become really, really big. I've told this to you all before. Uh, then eventually when we get big, we'll have lots of prizes, and we'll give away tickets and, and jerseys and free trips. And uh, that's the goal. So uh, we can't do that without you rating us and telling everyone. Yeah, everything. We'll just uh, sign sticks. Uh, we'll just go buy, you know, used uh, jet gear. We'll just give it away. That's that's the goal. <laughs> no, no, we have a budget. What he means yeah, by sign gear is that we're just gonna sign it. <laughs> we could do we could do a contest. I have a I have a funny um, uh, piece of memorabilia, but we would have to get to a certain amount of ratings and to, for me to give it away. So maybe we should we maybe we should do that. So. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to talk about it more in depth. But so start rating. It's a it's a really cool souvenir. Actually, it's not. It's um it's funny and it's it's probably valuable. But I'll give it away. At, we'll we'll make better rules. But start rating, and 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 we'll get to it. I right. did give away Stifley bobblehead once for the podcast. Yes, you did. And, and, and a and face some, and a bunch of the Burmistroff jersey that was went to Trentum. Uh, who apparently does not listen to the podcast, but uh, still follows us. He um, <laughs> seemed like a nice enough guy, but uh, hopefully he listens. Uh, that was before. Um, that wasn't through the podcast. That was through my own personal account, which no longer exists. So that I gave him that. So the podcast did not give away a fake Burmese drop jersey. But don't put it past us. 
we would definitely give away a fake Burmese stuffed jersey if we had one. Okay. Let's end this thing. My phone's going to die and I have the recording. So, thank you all for listening. Until next time. Toodles. Hashtag Tim Stapleton. <laughs>